everyone. Welcome to the Epic Vision Zone. My name is Jane Applegath, founder of the Epic Vision Zone, conversations that inspire. Each show, we offer you an inspiring person or message to bring you closer to your big dream so that you can live your epic life now. Thank you for being here. And if you're listening to the audio version, make sure that you're following this episode on your favorite app. And if watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Emily June Wilcox is a crystal loving, coffee drinking, money healer and business mentor. Also known as a podcaster and super mom of two, Emily is on a mission to bring more conscious wealth to this planet through helping female entrepreneurs uncover their money wounds and heal them in a community to collectively up-level the planet. She believes in celebrating wins of all kinds and sizes. That means whether it's landing your first client or just finding time to meditate and connect with your inner being. She says it all matters. While building two seven-figure businesses, Emily decided to ditch the belief that it had to be hard. I love that. She tapped into feminine energy to allow more ease and joy and support her team from within. She uses energetics, woo-woo, and a sprinkle of strategy to help women call in money and amp up the joy while they build their fempreneurs. Thank you for joining us here today, Emily. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. Well, I'm as I, I was saying to Emily just a minute ago, where I'm excited to delve into this topic. Um, so let's get started. Curious, what inspired you, Emily, to do the work that you do today? I mean, it was very much my own inner journey. Although I never expected that I would be coaching other women entrepreneurs, I always thought that I would continue doing the inner work just to help myself and my businesses, and then felt very called from the divine. I got a clear message. You're meant to be coaching other women. And so I took a step back, um, relinquished the CEO title from our agency and started kind of restructuring my life and my time and my schedule so that I could start talking about money. And it's, it was scary for me too, you know, and I kind of had to out myself on social media and I started my podcast, but I just had this belief that we're not going to heal our money wounds if we can't talk about them. And the fact that we talk about how much food we eat, we can talk about if we're struggling with a diet, we can, we talk about so many of the basic things that we need as humans but money is still taboo and off limits. And, and I felt like we needed to change that. Yes, absolutely. You're right. Um, it, it's not a topic that comes up very often. And that's, um, I'd love for you to delve into why should we consider a money healer, which is one of the titles that you call yourself. And is it strictly for entrepreneurs or for everyone? So, I really believe that you know you're intuitively guided to who you want to work with. So if you have this little feeling that like I'm my own upper limit problem with money, which I certainly did, then it's really diving into the subconscious work and healing your thoughts and healing your feelings around money. And so um, 
working with a money healer can really help you do that. I think so many of the resources that we have available with money, which are all wonderful as well, are a bit more tactical and strategic. You know, there's there are lots of resources on budgeting or investing and things like that. But if if you are avoiding your money because every time you log into your bank account or go to do that, you feel anxious, you feel a pit in your stomach, it, all of these things, it, it doesn't really matter if there's a strategy in place telling you, oh, you've got to log in and look at your bank account once a week. You're not going to do it. So it's about healing the nervous system first and changing the way you feel about being in relationship with your money and understanding why it is that you feel anxiety when you go to look at it as an example. So that's the work that I really love to do. And I believe that, you know, once we change our relationship with money and we feel more healed about it, then almost any strategy works. And you can, you can, choose whatever budgeting or investing or saving strategy makes the most sense for you. Well, that's, that's really uh, intuitive because our feelings are, are really, you know, the, that inner vibration, as I'm sure being the, the individual that you work spiritually as well, I, I feel that, that, you know, yeah. that's, that's what sends out our, our connection or frequency into the universe. Was there one moment in particular that you can remember in your own personal experience that sort of set that trigger off? And, and you know, now that you're aware of the work that you do, was there one particular moment that you, you could feel that and you felt that really deep in your soul where you just wanted to avoid the whole thing, the money issue? Mm. You know, one of the biggest turning points for me with my relationship with money was when I hit my first $100,000 cash month in business. Mm -hmm. And that had been my goal for such a long time. And I really, in hindsight, thought that hitting that goal would mean that I would feel like I'd made it, that I would feel successful, that I would feel rich, like I would feel like I had a lot of money. Um, that I would feel safe, like the business would feel stable. And when it finally happened, I felt bad. And I'm like, why do I feel bad? Why is it feeling hard for me to celebrate this? What's going on here? And I realized I don't feel super successful. I don't all of a sudden feel like my business is very steady and safe. In fact, now I feel this pressure of like, how are we gonna do it again? Right. And so it was like the first moment that I realized that I had just been moving the milestones. It was like, oh, well, 50K just wasn't enough. That's why I don't feel this way. Maybe the, the real answer is 70K. Nope. Turns out it's 100K. And finally hitting that, I, I, it was like the jig was up, you know? So am I going to keep moving the milestones forever or am I going to do the inner work? Because Maybe money actually can't make me feel safe. Maybe money isn't really the thing that can make me feel successful. Maybe that's an inside job. And when I started to go within and recognize actually just how unsafe I was feeling about all of that, it changed everything. And it not only changed, I guess, even my monetary goals and desires, but it also allowed me to be in relationship with money, trust 
the outflow and the spending of money more than I did. I used to be kind of a hoarder. <laughs> I just wanted my bank account to go up and up and up every month. And so I would hold on to it tightly and I wouldn't necessarily let myself follow my desires and let money circulate. So um, that was definitely the moment for me. Mm, thank you for sharing that. That is, I'm sure there are many that can relate to that. I certainly relate to that. Uh, having been in the financial industry in my previous life, it was always about reaching a new high every month. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that, that's just business. And right. yeah, you just, it, it's, it's you, you, you think you're going to feel that satisfaction. You, you just have this anticipation of a feeling of awe or, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, but you're right. That work comes from within. And speaking of that, this, this segues perfectly into our next question. So the awareness that light bulb went on for you, you say that, that, that trigger that sort of said you, what do I just keep upping the ante? So why do you think money is still a tough topic to have conversations about these days? Yeah, I think we are still walking around so unhealed with money. And then we've added a societal taboo around talking about it or or we've only made little pieces of the money conversation accessible. So depending on the crowd that you mix with, it might be acceptable to complain about money or talk about a bill that you have or that there's not enough or it, in your crowd, it might be acceptable to talk about an investment, but to just sit around the dinner table and, you know, speak vulnerably about like, man, I'm really struggling with worthiness and wanting to step into more wealth. And there's a part of me that feels like I'm not good enough. And, and that if I have it, I'm going to be judged by the people I care about the most. It's like, we're, we're, we're scared to have that conversation. And, and so we're walking around very unhealed and worried what everyone else thinks about us and thinks about how much money we make and how it measures up, but we don't really even know what the other person makes. And so we're making all of these assumptions about it. And, and it's, it's not good for us. It's really not good for us. And as I mentioned in the beginning with this kind of analogy with food, you know, food is one of these basic human experiences that really connects us. We love talking about what we're going to make and what restaurant we're going to go to and experiencing the food and talking about it. And, you know, could you imagine if we all decided, look, food is something we all need, but don't talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. We'll just all eat when we need to eat. We know that's a part of the human experience, but no, no discussion around it. Yeah. It, we would never do that. That would be so silly. And it would really uh, limit the ways that we get to connect with each other. Yes, you're right. Because in my in my family, we didn't sit around the dinner table and discuss money. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was the, you know, if we had a good day or, you know, um, if you owned your own business, if you were doing well, but it wasn't like, wow, you know, how much money did you make? Or what did you invest in? Oh, uh, how much did you donate this year? <laughs> just right. We just never talked about it. And that's really interesting. That's, I don't know if that's a society and a cultural thing as well. I think maybe even in some cultures, other cultures, it's even more taboo. You know, they don't, yeah, they don't be. talk about, you know, their finances at all. 
but that's yeah. that's you're absolutely right that would be an interesting challenge you should try that on your on your on your website challenge people to talk about money at the dinner yeah. table and let them come back with their stories that would be that would be really that's insightful right. wouldn't it yeah for sure totally so I, I agree completely with you. When you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, we never sat around and talked about money, but, you know, making it so makes it more open and people, you know, if family members are, you see, that's the thing though, you get into judgments, you get into egos. Oh my gosh, I could, I can hear my family now. It's like, you know, right. I, what's the matter with you? Why, we associate money with our, our worth and that's right. the big issue. You know, we all do totally. it. So, yeah, I think we're going to get into that question a little later on. But my question for you right now, and I really love that you have a passion to help women create financial wealth. Why is it that you feel that women um, can really be the 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 up levelers of our conscious wealth and our com communities around the world? Hmm. Well, you know, we are experiencing a time where we're coming more into the balance of masculine and feminine energy. We've all collectively been too far in the masculine, women included. And so just for everyone listening, if you're not familiar with this terminology, although it's gendered, we all have both energies within us. And the masculine energy is the, the giving and the doing energy and the thinking energy. So the hustle, the grind, the I'm going to control it, I'm going to take charge, I'm going to do the darn thing. That's masculine energy. And feminine energy is more being and receiving and trusting. And so as a planet, we're all coming into balance, but women especially are, are a large piece of that. And so, you know, us sort of deprogramming from this idea that you know, we just need to be small and subservient and people pleasers. And, you know, even the messaging that we received about money, it's like if you look at magazines, you know, it's like teaching women how to clip coupons and how to save money. And then if you look at like the magazines that men read, it's all about, you know, how to invest and how to have your money make more money. So, we just kind of have this this old conditioning that's not serving us. And, and so many women have been waking up to the idea that like, no, actually more money in the hands of women is really good. It's really good for everyone. It's good for our families. It's good for our communities. It's good for our country. It's good for our planet. And, you know, like the, the lioness, when, when she has food, when she hunts, she makes sure everyone is fed. The lion will eat all of the food and let his cubs starve. So when, when women have more resources, it's really good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yes. You just hit the nail on the head there at the very end. For me, you said resources. Money is a resource. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a resource. It's, it's, it's a resource to share. It's a resource to give back. It's a resource to grow and therefore um, cultivate and inspire others. 
it's a resource. We, if, if we change our perspective of the way we look at it, in other words, not think of it as money, because that's, uh, I think now it's, a, it's like a trigger word, but we think right. of it as a resource that for me changes, it builds a whole nother perspective of what money can be for us. Yeah, absolutely. So I, and yeah, and, and it's I, one of the ways that we can kind of decondition from all of the things that yes. we've projected on money. Right. Absolutely. Perfectly said. I love that. And you're so right about women coming in. And, and I just saw an article in Forbes recently that, that listed the top female billionaires. So I was just like smiling. I like, God, oh, this is great. And, and the, the, yeah. the top woman was actually in construction or some, some masculine industry. But I was just like, good for you. I was telling my husband and he's like, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> you know, because we always it think it's, it's the celebrities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Were you going to say something? You know, I was just, we need more examples of that. And yes. and it is interesting. I, I haven't seen the list, but it's not, it wouldn't be surprising to me if many of those women did it in a more masculine way whether it was a more masculine industry or not, just because that's a bit more of the well-worn path. It's, mm -hmm. it's a little easier for us to believe that we can build wealth through the hustle, the grind, this older paradigm, because we just have more examples of that. And what, what excites me is, is seeing women like Sarah Blakely, mm -hmm. um, Love her. Susie, I, I'm blanking on her last name. Susie Batiz, I think. Um, she's the founder of uh, Poopery. You know, mm. if you listen to an interview with her, what she is saying, and even though she maybe uses different words, is essentially she built that whole business off of intuition. And even as it got super successful and she had a board and she had all of these things, she wasn't willing to just set arbitrary business goals and go for them no matter what. She really allowed a place for her to receive inner guidance and follow that. And they have this sort of company credo around essentially like when, the, when it feels like they're on the struggle bus, you know, when it feels like they're trying to swim upstream, they all just say, hang on, wait a second. Why are we in struggle mode? what would a downstream solution look like? And, and that's the new way. That's the new yeah. way that's available to all of us. And, you know, I would love to say that I'm just a trailblazer and could do it without other examples, but I can't. It really helps to uplift me to know that there are other people, especially women, that are doing it and having a lot of success and it helps bolster my own belief. Yes, absolutely. That's the conversations that inspire. I mean, that you're you're absolutely right because they they're mentors, they become examples of what is possible. And uh yeah, I just I love I'll have to I I'm not aware of the lady that you spoke of the potpourri owner, but I I do know Sarah Blakely giving back to her her employees all the time and in fact when she sold the company she offered a trip to anywhere in the world to every single one of her employees and that she would pay for 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 two i saw i that. was just like 
wow, isn't that like, who would do that? I can't even imagine yeah. a, a male CEO doing that. Not that it's a, this is a man bashing thing because my husband right. you know, probably think, okay, I know you guys are just male bashing, but no, it's just that that's the feminine energy, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's the leadership for the 21st century. And everyone knows that leadership has to change. It does. And it is changing. It's it's a slow grind, but it there is there needs to be a shift in order to sustain ourselves and move forward in this unpredictable world. We have to bend. Yeah. We have to change. We have to be different. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. For all of us, for men too, you know, it's, yeah. there's a reason why we're seeing more, you know, men in leadership going on like plant medicine journeys and mm -hmm. learning about meditation and mindfulness because that way of constantly leaning forward and always in motion and overdoing and overthinking, it burns us all out. The men too. <laughs> And then we look at our country and we see epidemics of chronic illnesses, mm -hmm. epidemics of mental illnesses. And it's like, we are not taking good care of ourselves. What a good friend of mine um, has been living in Europe now for a few years. And she just texted that she's about to take a month off and travel around to different countries and go to music festivals. And it's like, mm. that is a normal thing in Europe to take yeah. a month off every mm -hmm. summer, in addition to lots of other weeks of vacation. And we're, we're just not balanced yet. And so the yeah. more that we can model that as leaders, really show what it looks like to take care of ourselves, to prioritize our mental and physical health, to align the way that we make money with a way that feels good to us and that's regenerative and replenishing, that's the kind of thing that really brings about the sustainable change that we're looking for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, beautifully put, Emily, thank you for that. Well, here's a question that's a little more possibly strategic. What are the three money musts that every entrepreneur should do with their money beginning today? Mm. Well, I would suggest starting with getting in relationship with your money, perhaps in a new way. So um, logging into your bank account without needing to take any action and just sitting there looking at the numbers on the screen and and noticing what stories come up. So is, is there a story around how hard earned it is or that there's less money there than there was before and that's a problem or just whatever. It, notice what comes up and do you like that story? If you like the story, keep telling it. And if you don't, can you reach for a better feeling thought or can you invite in some neutrality like Jane and I were talking about? You know what? This is just a resource. And if I were logging in and looking at the number of subscribers on my email list, I probably wouldn't make that mean a whole lot about me. And I certainly wouldn't feel unsafe, right? If I didn't have a certain number of email subscribers. so. 
is it possible that I'm projecting my safety or I'm projecting my worth onto these numbers on a screen? So that's that's my number one is get into relationship with your money and start to notice what stories come up. Number two, if you don't like the story that you're telling yourself, reach for a better feeling thought. You get to create the story. So why are you telling yourself a story that ends with you not having a roof over your head? I mean, I don't know if you've ever done that, Jane, but my mind has gone crazy before where it's like all of a sudden the end of the story is like we're destitute. We don't have anywhere to live. Everything's imploded. And it's like, wait a second. If I'm writing the story and I'm telling it to myself, why am I telling myself this terrible one that ends with nothing that I want to happen? So changing that story. And then number three, really practice seeing abundance in places other than money. So Jane, you Mm. mentioned it when we were talking about feelings, how our feelings really are our magnet. They're sort of the the beacon that we're putting out to the universe, and then they magnetize whatever comes back to us. And often our relationship with money is complicated, so it can be the hardest place for us to really have a clean feeling of abundance. But when we look at a meadow that's just full of flowers as far as the eye can see, that's abundance. When we, I'm in Southern California and, and, you know, there'll be a lemon tree that has like 400 lemons on it. (laughs) That's abundance. That's in one person's yard. If they don't give those away, they're just going to rot on the ground. It's like way more lemons than one family could ever eat. It's abundance. And, And there are so many places where abundance is making itself evidenced in our lives and when we decide that we want to get be, be in for it, it really helps change our vibration and change our feeling. And then it attracts to us more situations that allow us to feel that way. Yes, absolutely. The, the changing your thoughts changes your vibration. Yeah. It really, and you're right. We create, what we forget is that we do create our own reality. And it has been a scientific study as to why we always go to the negative because humans usually do. Um, But of course now they've studied that it's the reptilian brain and we, you know, it wants to protect us. So it always goes to the worst case scenario, but just having that knowledge too helps you because you're like, I'm not crazy. It's just my reptilian brain and okay, I hear you, but just calm down. We're, right. we're not going there today or next week. We're going to go this way instead. But you're so, that was a, I, I, I enjoyed your story because it made me smile because you're like, wait a minute, why am I going this way when I can go that way? Right. And that's the best way to stop your thinking. You go, whoa, I, I'm, I'm the master of my thinking. What am I doing to myself? But that, thank you. Those were very useful. I, I love it. And now you have something called the wealth codes. Tell us about those. So when I'm talking about wealth codes, I'm really speaking about sort of this ancient wisdom that we can tap into that allow us to unlock 
these new ways of thinking and feeling about money, allowing it to more effortlessly flow in. And it's not like the 10 commandments, right? Where there's, they're, they're just etched in stone and there's only 10 of them. And, you know, a certain number of people know it and you've got to go learn from them. So it's not like I'm this exalted person who has all the wealth codes. And if you just pay me a certain amount, I will give them to you. It's really more about our own exploration, but just really believing that they're available to us. There is nothing inherently different about a six or seven or eight or nine figure earner than anybody else. And they've accessed and tapped into these energetic codes that are available to all of us. And I'm going to go a little woo here for a second, but if you believe that we're not just here for one lifetime, this is something I that I remind myself of, and it's helpful for a lot of my clients because sometimes we play the comparison game and we feel behind. And it's not just with money, by the way, you know, like the 37 year old woman who's not married feels behind. She feels like I'm ready to call in my husband. I'm ready to have kids. I'm behind. So we do lots of areas of our life, but with money, I know my brain was always looking at the examples of the people who made more than me, were further ahead than me, or were younger than me. And so then it always made me feel like, you know, I wasn't doing enough or I wasn't where I needed to be. And when I started thinking about it from a, a more macro perspective, it's like, who even knows what ahead and behind is? we're taking evidence of one lifetime. Well, that person who's a billionaire, what if it took them like 5,000 lifetimes to crack the wealth code? Mm. And maybe you're only on lifetime number 2,000 and you're actually way ahead of them. They've just been at it longer. It's like, we don't know. And so again, going back to that idea of the story, why tell ourselves a story that we're behind when we really have such a limited understanding in the scope of one lifetime. And, and that's why I talk about walking the joyous path to millions because it's really more about the joyous path than it is the millions. It's like, can we enjoy the journey and can we look for the ways to appreciate it versus I gotta just get the wealth codes and I gotta get ahead of everybody else. And I and I know because I used to operate that way. So if if you feel resonance with that, it's, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, but it does mean that there's a different way available if you choose it. So are there such things as wealth codes then, or is that something that you teach that there aren't wealth codes? I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I, I understand your your analogy, and certainly that makes that puts a whole new perspective on yeah. how you see whether your judgment is correct or not, because that's something in yoga that they teach is non-judgment. But absolutely, we all do comparisons. It's it's uh, a, a human fault because you're right. I love that you said we don't know how long that person has been here. If you believe in, you know, we, we have second lives, third lives, thousands of lives. Um, so I love that perspective. Um, 
And then again, I'm not sure, are there money codes or are there not money codes? <laughs> yeah, there there are wealth codes, but when, I, when I'm using that that terminology, again, it's not that there's these certain set, but it's it's sort of like these aha moments where you've tapped into this ancient wisdom. So like so like one wealth code is just using examples that we've talked about in this conversation, I would consider it a wealth code that that money is a neutral resource. Uh, I would consider it a wealth code that money comes from universe or source or God and it flows through people. It's a wealth code to understand that money is just money and having more of it isn't necessarily going to make you feel safe or successful or worthy. So there are all these little lessons, I guess I would say, that when they land in your body and you actually embody it, then you've, you're mastering that code. Does that make mm, sense? Totally. Absolutely. Yes, that makes total sense to me. They're, yeah, they're the lessons. They're, they're yeah. changing your viewpoint or being aware of the negative perspective and then changing it, but embodying that. So that is actually a perfect segue um, because I was going to ask you why it is important to notice what we are telling ourselves about money. And this is what you were just saying. And then replace the, the negative serving money mantras with something more powerful. So in essence, those codes or lessons, whatever you want to refer them to, these are the, the mantras that we want to replace the negative ones with positive. Does, does that yeah. sound about right? Because I think it is very important how we talk to ourselves about money. Yes. Yeah. And, and just to deepen the conversation, since we've, we've been talking about this, I would say notice how you're feeling mm. about money, even more than what your thoughts are. It's how you feel because I don't know if you've ever had this happen, Jane, but I've had it happen before where I'm saying the right affirmation, mm. but if I was being really honest with myself, it didn't actually feel good. Have you ever had that mm -hmm. happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, noticing our feeling is actually more important because if you wake up every day and you're like, I am a wealthy woman, I am a wealthy woman. But the way that it actually makes you feel is a little constricted or a little anxious or a little bit like an imposter. And there's a part of you that's feeling like, no, I'm not. How do I become a wealthy woman? Oh, I've been saying these affirmations every day. Now, what am I going to do about it? You're not actually helping yourself <laughs> because the thoughts are correct, but the feelings they are eliciting are not helpful feelings. And so it actually would be a, an improvement for you to drop that affirmation altogether. Or maybe you could find an affirmation that actually would feel good which is I'm open to learning how to become a wealthy woman. I'm willing to believe that it's possible for me to be a wealthy woman. And it's like on paper, maybe those affirmations don't sound as powerful, but if the words make it feel more true for you, and regulate your nervous system and allow it in, mm -hmm. 
then it is good. That is a good affirmation for you. So when we think about money talk, we want to also notice the feelings. Mm. That is really powerful. I love that. You need to make a, a, a little booklet of all the different ways of saying things like that. Seriously, because you're right. It's the alignment. If your thoughts are not in alignment with your emotions, which is your body in motion, which is your frequency, then, yeah. well, your frequency is going to be completely off. Um, yeah. And the alignment is so important. And you're right. You're not serving yourself, you're disservicing yourself because then you go into a state of anxiety, stress, because like you said, you start to think, well, now how am I going to do that? You know, it's like, I'm a wealthy woman. Yeah, sure you are. <laughs> you know, you're just kidding yourself. <laughs> You've been saying that for a year and where are you? And then you just, your whole mind goes down that path. And then of course you're right. creating that reality. Um, but, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. I also heard another very powerful way to um, change an affirmation, which would be, or a mantra, which would be you ask yourself the question because then your mind goes in a different direction where you say, how did I become so rich? How did I become Ooh. so wealthy? Right? How did I, I become so wealthy? how did I become so influential? Mm. Because then your mind doesn't, it, it completely changes the circuitry because then your mind yeah. goes to work on thinking of the how. And then you're like, yeah, I connected with people. I, I, I loved what I do. Um, yeah. Isn't that amazing? It totally changes I am obsessed with that practice. I'm totally okay. going to use that. Do it because I'm telling you, and it changes your energy because yeah. instead of the pushing, you're drawing, you're, 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 you're accessing different areas of your mind in order to right. figure it out. So your mind doesn't go to the stress or the fight or flight. It goes to, okay, I've got to figure this out, right? Right. I thought that was fascinating it's actually um a gentleman by um the name of noah mm, i forgot his last name uh he's gonna be a, he's on my podcast so check it out but he uh, actually haven't okay. launched him yet but um he has an entire little book and it's called affirmations and they're questions mm. in the they were affirmations but now they're affirmations and i'm glad you love it because i thought that was so powerful i was like wow you're right so I'm glad I was able it's to genius. Share. I mean, I've always said it's like when you, we ask our mind different questions, then we get a totally different yeah. answer. And yeah. that is so genius. Thank you, Noah. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. I also thank you for him. But see, this is what we do. We share and we collaborate and we learn. And anything that adds to our, our, our perspective and our, our, our feelings and uplifts us and inspires us, that's what the whole the whole reason is for all of this. So I'm, I'm glad that would be helpful. But th and thank you also for the other switch of the affirmations, like saying, I am, I, I am willing to receive wealth. I am willing to be open to um, becoming a wealthy woman. I mean, those are great too, because then you're in the mode of receiving. 
which is yes. how you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. I love it. Thank you so much. So what are money wounds? I think you discussed that, but how do they block us from the wealth that we desire? Yeah, so money wounds are the stored traumas in our body and the unhealthy thought patterns that we think about money. And what I've learned in working with hundreds of entrepreneurs, although it's not just entrepreneurs, but that just happens to be who I focus on, is that there are six core money wounds. And you won't have all of them, but you'll probably have two or three that you really resonate with. And just being able to diagnose them and understand them and, and kind of learn how they feel in your body is a really important first step because, you know, it's like if you have a mystery illness and you're walking around with no diagnosis, you can think you're crazy, you can think you're broken. But when a doctor finally tells you, no, this is what it is, and here are all the associated symptoms, it's like, oh my gosh, that and that and that. So when we understand that we have money wounds, that they're not us, they're just stories and beliefs and passed down patterns that have turned into you know, some stored trauma in our bodies, then we can start healing them and we can start recognizing as we engage with money, which is like so many times all day, every day, when we're in our sovereignty and when one of our wounds is having a moment, is flaring up and is wanting to control the way that we think and act. So I'm happy to list the six money wounds if it's helpful, but that's essentially what they are. Hmm. Here we go again. I, I find that for me, what's resonating is it's all perspective. Like yeah. if you look at, like you, un, you, you become aware and then you have an understanding of what it is that you're feeling and what it is yes. you're going through. You can address it at a much more cognitive level as opposed to yeah. going into that fight or flight. And because of that, you, you calm your, your system down, which your energy stays at a better level. And so by doing, yes, knowledge is, the more knowledge we have, the more we have to pull from to lift us up. So yes. Absolutely. I, and you know, there's a quote from Carl Jung, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct mm -hmm. our life and we will call it fate. So when you have undiagnosed money wounds, they will direct your life and you will call it fate. You will be like, I don't understand why it is that every time I get some extra money in my bank account, something happens. The car breaks down. Um, you know, there's a water leak. There's a school field trip and I have to pay extra for that it will feel like you are a victim of circumstance, but really it's your subconscious or your unconscious mind that's directing the show because you have an unhealed money wound. And in, in the example I'm giving, it would be a disappearing money wound, which is that a lot of money in the account actually doesn't feel safe. You expect that it's going to abandon you. You don't trust it. And so you'd rather get rid of it than have it sitting there just 
as a ticking time bomb waiting for it to abandon you. But it's all happening at the subconscious level. So we can really feel like we're a victim of circumstance until we bring it into our conscious awareness, as you mentioned. Once it's in our conscious awareness, we can do something with it and we can start to put a little distance between feeling a certain way and acting because the actions themselves are neutral and they can, they can really be good or, or bad, but it's, it depends on what the underlying feeling is. So if, if someone wants to hire a financial advisor, that could be a really wonderful thing. They might be in their sovereignty. They might feel intuitively guided to this person. It might feel like a total boss move to have this financial advisor, or they might have a money trust wound, meaning I don't trust myself with money and be in their damsel in distress, looking for a white knight that can come in and save the day, that can make all their money decisions for them so that they can't screw it up. Well, then hiring that financial advisor is going to get you a really different outcome because the underlying energetics are, I don't trust myself. I think I can screw money up. Someone else has to save me. So we, we always have to address the feelings because the action itself is neutral. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really deep. That's in the sense that when you take action like that, or you know, when you have the money and then something happens and out the door it goes, because things like that used to happen to me, they don't anymore. Um, but I know someone who, who do, it does happen to them. Yeah. And you would never, ever consider that that's the reason why, you know, it'd be like, I'm not causing this. That's ridiculous. How is that possible? <laughs> but right. yeah, you're right. Because the universe always says yes. Yeah. So if, if you're putting it out there, yeah, it's, I tell you, Emily, it's, it's, it's deep work. Um, but it's, it's fascinating it. and enlightening. So enlightening when you get it. I mean, I've been studying Dr. Joe Dispenza and, um, you know, uh, all of, uh, all of these thought leaders for so long, Candace Pert, some of the science really, I love the science behind it, but, um, it once when it finally clicks, it really makes a lot of sense because you really do. There is the way to muscle your way into things, like you said, but that just creates yeah. more stress. And it's it's hard. It's hard work. But um, yes, wow, that was really insightful. Um, and I could see where some people would go, "Oh, you're ridiculous." <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's just not the case. But I'm I know and yeah. you know that it is the case for sure. So totally. Well, I and I feel like, you know, thank goodness there are so many money teachers out there because you may not resonate with me, like middle class white yeah. girl, never on the streets, never what you know, it's like, that's fine. And if you think everything that I'm saying is crazy, then it's like, well, go do Dave Ramsey, you know, like <laughs> there's so many ways yeah. to it to work on money. But what I the the last thing I'll say about that is, you know we're in a lifelong relationship with money mm -hmm. and anyone who's been in a marriage or a long-term relationship, you understand that you got to continue to give it love and give it attention and work on growing together, 
no one would ever say like, well, I worked on my marriage once. We had a, we had a rough patch, checked that box. Now we're good forever. And it's like the same is true with money. So you don't, we don't have to look at it as this thing where now we've checked that box, we've done the money work and we're done. It's like, we're in a relationship with money until the day we die. So to me, it's only natural that we continue to check in on how we're feeling and that we continue to evolve the relationship over time. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting. It's in the English language, but the another word for money is currency and a Mm, current is frequency. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I just thought of that. Wow. What's your currency? What's your frequency? Yeah. Right. Well, we could go on. I tell you that some of the, the, the aha moments are coming, but what there's something that you said here in your bio and I love it because I agree 100%. Why is celebrating our wins of any kind vital to our money mindset? Whew. Because it's the only time in this game of warmer, colder that we play with the universe that we're, that we get to say, Yes, red hot, we did it. You found the thing, <laughs> we did so well. And we we yeah. often don't do that because we move the goalposts, which by the way, is totally natural. That's part of the human experience is that we always wanna grow and evolve. And by the time we're, we've got it in the bag and we know that we're about to hit a certain goal, we're already naturally dreaming into the next thing. That's, that's perfectly fine. But when we can celebrate, and this is something that I learned from a past mentor of mine, her name's Melanie Ann Lair. She talks about how celebration is a party thrown in the name of gratitude. Mm, And I love that because I, I used to feel like by the time I was, could put together a celebration, I didn't feel excited anymore. Mm. And so then maybe I wouldn't want to do it. But it's like, but it's not about the excitement. The excitement wanes pretty quickly, <laughs> but it's about the gratitude. There was, this was something that I used to dream about. It was on my vision board and now I have it. Holy smokes. Can I just like give a cheers to the universe and say, look at us, we did it. We forget. And as women, particularly, you know, we just, I don't know, you're a mom, so you know that you just go and go and go and you, you know, it's like, okay, well, I accomplished that, but I don't have time, you know, the great, I did that. Now on to the next chore, you know, whatever, right, on to right. the next, next target. And, but if you stop and pause and say, you know what, I'm pretty damn special. You know, I sometimes say that my husband's like, well, aren't you the big head? And I said, yeah, I am. (laughs) And you know what? It makes me happy. (laughs) I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I mean, I wouldn't go around telling strangers that, but um, still it, it, it it puts a smile on my face, at least for that, for that reason. But it, it is, it's when you accomplish something and you actually pause to celebrate that, it is gratitude. You're being grateful for your accomplishments because right. um, we need to we, we need to be grateful for ourselves. It's like namaste. It's I, I honor the divine within you. Well, yeah. we need to honor the divine within ourselves, right? And that's Absolutely. what namaste. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
I love that, that what it, it stands for. So, um, yeah, that's what it's all about. So tell us then, Emily, about your money healing masterclass. Yeah. So uh, I'll back up a second, which is, I really recommend that people start with the quiz. So if you go to moneywoundsquiz.com, it's a free resource to diagnose your money wounds. And at the end, it invites you to put in your email. You don't have to, but if you do, not only do we email you the results so that you have them to look back on, but then we also email you the link to a money healing masterclass. So it's two hours of content that really dives deeper into each of the six money wounds, what their symptoms are, how they might show up in your life, and how you can start to heal them. Of all of that information too on the epic vision zone bio pages for everyone just in case you didn't have a chance to mark that down and if there was one critical message that you could share with the world today emily what would that be i think i'm going to go back to what we talked about before which is talk about your money mm -hmm. just pick one person that you wouldn't normally talk to about money and be brave enough to have that conversation. But even in thinking about having the conversation, I bet you'll have so many ahas. You'll notice what you're afraid of. Oh gosh, are they going to think I'm arrogant or that I've got way more? Or are they going to start hitting me up for money? Or whatever the story is, just in the noticing it, all of a sudden now it's in your conscious mind and you have a chance to rewrite it. But also, it just invites in a little bit more of that human connection, and it helps us to neutralize money, to treat it as a currency, as a frequency, not something that is a badge of honor or means anything about us and who we are and how worthy we are. And I really believe that that, that simple conversation can help heal so much. Mm, you're right. It, it's, I, I, I have a, sometimes my mind goes a little, I, I have a funny imagination. So I was picturing myself in a Forrest Gump moment where I'd sit on a bench beside a stranger and say, I'd like to talk to you about money. <laughs> I don't know why. My mind just went right to the Forrest Gump, you know, where he's sitting there with his box of chocolates. Yep. Sit yep. there with a box yep. of money and say, I'd like to talk to you about money. <laughs> I don't know. Why. Oh, but that's hilarious. that would be funny. I, I mean, I'd have to video it because it would be one of those things you'd certainly want to post. And I'd be, okay, let's talk about money. How much you got in the right. box, lady? It's like none of your business. You know, anyway, there's I'll someone who's actually built a whole business around this. I can't remember what the Instagram handle is. I think it's like Financial Street or something like that. I'll see if I can look it up while we're talking. Mm -hmm. But it's so cool because she goes around and interviews people on the street mic in hand and asks them how much money they make and what they do and if they think it's enough and if they think they're earning a living wage and and she just like does the whole spectrum and goes across all different cities in the u.s and i just think it's wow. so cool and it's fascinating you know we're all a little voyeuristic about money so it's really interesting to hear people's responses Wow. When you find that, just send it over to me. I'd love to connect with her. I yeah, will. That, I will. That, that sounds so much fun. I could, I could relate oh, you know to what that. It's for called? Sure. 
What? I'm remembering now. It's it's called, at least on Instagram, the handle is Salary Transparent Street. Okay. Salary Transparent Salary Transparent Street. Street. I love it. Oh, that's yeah. great. And it's well, so cool because right it's like a young woman who started it and it was just like a passion project. And now she like quit her day job and is all in on Salary Transparent Street. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. That's it's right up your alley. Oh my gosh. You have to connect yeah. with her <laughs> for sure. I know. Maybe I'll interview oh her gosh. on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, because we're here on the Epic Vision Zone, I have one last question. If your life were an epic story, what would the title be? Walking the Joyous Path to Millions. Mm, I love that. That is absolutely perfect well yes. thank you again emily for joining us here today and for information and to connect with emily go to the epic vision zone bio pages where you will find all of her social media and direct contact information and don't forget to take advantage of that free offer that she has it sounds wonderful and be sure to follow me on Instagram at Jane Applegath and reach out to me at janeapplegath.com where you can access your free download, The Keys to Your Dreams. Sending you much love and success. This is the Epic Vision Zone transforming your dreams into epic success.